This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. I am your host, Brittany, and this is episode 119. Welcome back, everybody. As always, I'm coming to you on a Wednesday, which means it's hump day, and my hump day treat for this week is long overdue. For my birthday, one of my friends, Krista, got me a gift that combined two of my most favorite things, coffee and vodka. She got me some Owens Espresso Martini Mix and some little two-ounce bottles of vodka. This one is New Amsterdam Vodka. So I made myself a little espresso martini. Really, all you have to do uh, is fill a shaker with ice and add a can of the espresso martini mix and two ounces of vodka and shake and pour, and it is delightful. So I'd been saving this for something. I wasn't sure what, but this hump day was the perfect use for it. So thank you, Krista, for this week's episode. I'm doing a case that I had never heard of before. I was kind of trying to research some maybe real-life Dexter Morgan-type cases. I love love the TV show Dexter. I haven't watched it in years, but loved the concept of the show. And so I was kind of trying to find different cases that maybe the show was based off of. And I came across this one. So go over and join us on Facebook and Instagram so you can see pictures from this episode and previous episodes, plus any pictures of hump day treats or shenanigans or memes or what have you. And let's begin. This is the story of Manuel Pardo. Manuel Manny Pardo Jr., was an American serial killer and former police officer previously employed by the Florida Highway Patrol and the Sweetwater Police Department. Between January and April 1986, he killed nine known victims. He was convicted on nine counts of first-degree murder, for which he was sentenced to death. He was executed in December 2012. Manuel Pardo was born in New York on September 24, 1956. He was a former Boy Scout and Marine Corps veteran. He won honors for good conduct and sharpshooting. He was honorably discharged in February 1978. After a short stint as a bank clerk, he was accepted into the Florida Highway Patrol Academy, where he earned class valedictorian. He later earned two college degrees. However, he was fired from that agency in 1979 for falsifying traffic tickets. Pardo was soon hired by the police department in Sweetwater, Florida, located in Miami-Dade County. When he joined Sweetwater Police, superiors initially applauded him for his work, which included resuscitating an infant who had stopped breathing. In 1981, Pardo was one of four Sweetwater officers charged with brutality, but the cases were dismissed. There were several other brushes with law enforcement, including one incident involving lying to investigators. 
He was fired four years later after he flew to the Bahamas to testify at the trial of a Sweetwater colleague who was accused of drug smuggling. Pardo lied, telling the court they were international undercover agents. Prosecutors said Pardo's first victims were Mario Amador, 33, a civil engineer who sold dope on the side, and Roberto Alfonso, 28, a parking lot attendant. During a January 1986 deal in northwest Miami-Dade to buy several kilos of cocaine, Pardo ordered the men to the ground, then pumped bullets into each of their heads. Later that month, Pardo fatally shot a Haitian gunsmith, Michael Malat, who was an activist. Pardo said he believed Malat, 43, was a federal informant trying to set him up for an arrest. Pardo's partner from the Sweetwater Police, Rolando Garcia, lured Malat to a car belonging to Pardo's wife, where Pardo himself was already waiting in the back seat. Once Malat arrived and became situated in the front passenger seat of the car, Pardo fatally shot him in the head with a 9mm pistol. The car was later discovered to have been reupholstered. In February 1986, Pardo shot and killed Ulpiano Lido, 39, a welder and Santeria priest, and Louise Robledo, 37, during a robbery in a West Miami-Dade apartment. Cops said Garcia used Robledo's credit cards to buy a video cassette recorder, a car radio, and speakers. Two months later, Pardo claimed four victims in two separate incidents. Farah Quintero and Sarah Musa were killed over an argument about a pond ring worth $50 and for refusing to buy Pardo a VCR with stolen credit cards. Pardo later claimed that he believed Quintero had marked him for death by dialing him number eights on a pager, a numerical sign for death in the Santeria religion developed in Cuba. The final victims were Daisy Ricard, 38, a medical lab owner, and boyfriend Ramon Alvaro Cruz, 40. Pardo targeted Cruz for twice failing to show up to a drug deal. Detectives believe Ricard was innocent, killed because she was with Cruz. Ricard's body was found in a Hialeah field that April. The next day, construction workers found Cruz's body in the trunk of an Oldsmobile, and Pardo's fingerprint was on the corpse's watch. Pardo was apprehended in a New York City hospital where he was found with a gunshot wound to his foot. The bullet matched those found in his final victims. The injury occurred during the murder of Ricard when, after shooting her once, Pardo's Ruger pistol jammed. He then bludgeoned Ricard with the handgun, causing the jammed round to discharge into Pardo's foot. Well-deserved, I think. When police searched Pardo's home, they discovered a collection of Nazi memorabilia, including Pardo's dog, who had a swastika tattooed on his leg. Why the fuck? He also took photos of the victims and recounted some details in his diary, which was found along with newspaper clippings about the murders. Pardo was linked to the killings after using credit cards stolen from the victims. After his arrest, Pardo bragged to a fellow inmate that police missed three more murders in Homestead. He was never charged with any additional killings. At the trial, prosecutors presented evidence that Pardo admired Adolf Hitler and expressed racist sympathies against Jews and black people. Pardo maintained until his death that his mission was to rid Florida of its drug culture by killing active sellers and buyers of drugs, admitting to at least six of the nine murders. 
During his trial, against the advice of his attorneys, Pardo testified in his own defense. He claimed, quote, I am a soldier. I accomplished my mission, and I humbly ask you to give me the glory of ending my life and not send me to spend the rest of my days in state prison. End quote. Pardo acknowledged that he killed all nine victims, but claimed that all nine victims were drug dealers who had no right to live and that he was doing society a favor. Prosecuting attorney David Waxman, on the other hand, maintained that Pardo was a cold-blooded killer, and according to the Clark County Prosecutor's site, quote, The state presented the case that Pardo and Garcia were drug dealers and were eliminating the competition, end quote. His partner, Garcia, was convicted of four counts of first-degree murder and sentenced to death. However, he won a new trial in 2002 because, among other reasons, Garcia claimed he had no involvement in the murders. Garcia later pleaded guilty to four counts of second-degree murder, received a 25-year sentence, and was released from prison on September 5, 2002. So I have a picture. I wasn't able to find a lot of pictures, so I have two for you. I'm going to go ahead and show you one from uh, Manuel Pardo in court. Um, I think this one was from his sentencing hearing. He very much has the serial killer eyewear that we've all come to know. And it almost looks like he's wearing some sort of leisure suit. Doesn't really look court appropriate, but um, to each their own. But that's what he looked like at the time of the crimes. Now, I had already told you guys that he did end up being sentenced to death. He was convicted on nine counts of first-degree murder. Manuel Pardo, 56, was pronounced dead at Florida State Prison at 7.47 p.m., about 16 minutes after the lethal injection process began. His attorneys had tried to block the execution by arguing that he was mentally ill, but federal courts declined to intercede. Reporters could not hear his final statement because of an apparent malfunction in the death chamber's sound system. Prison officials said his final words were, quote, Airborne forever. I love you, Missy baby. End quote. And that was referring to his daughter. Pardo also wrote a final statement that was distributed to the media in which he claimed that he never killed any women, but accepted full responsibility for killing six men. Quote, I never harmed those three women or any female. I took the blame as I knew I was doomed and it made no difference to me at this time having six or nine death sentences. End quote. He wrote this on December 11th, hours before his execution. Quote, I don't want this hanging over my head, especially these last few minutes of life, because my war was against men who were trafficking in narcotics and no one else, end quote. Pardo's final letter apologized to his family for the pain and grief he caused. Quote, you all are so loving and wonderful, not deserving of this nightmare, end quote. He asked his family to please not suffer and to be strong. He mentioned his daughter, Mishy, in the written statement. Quote, remember, Mishy, you are airborne and hardcore, no tears, end quote. Pardo also touched on his love of sports, devoting one of three paragraphs in this letter to baseball, soccer, and bullfighting. Seriously, that's what you're thinking about right now, but okay. Quote, on a lighter note, as a New Yorker and loyal fan, I was happy to see my Yankees and Giants win so many championships during my lifetime, end quote. 
He said it was a lifelong dream to see Spain win the World Cup and urged the Spanish government to never stop bullfights because they are a part of our culture and heritage. Quote, and if they do, I'm glad I won't be alive to see such a travesty. End quote. Priorities, man. Pardo ate a last meal of rice, red beans, roasted pork, plantains, avocado, tomatoes, and olive oil. For dessert, he ate pumpkin pie and drank eggnog and Cuban coffee. Under Department of Corrections rules, the meal's ingredients have to cost $40 or less and be available locally and made in the prison kitchen. I mean, that actually doesn't sound like a very bad last meal. I tried uh, fried plantains one time, and that's one of the like most delicious little snacks I've ever had. I have a friend from Puerto Rico who made those for me, and they were delicious. She even made a little fancy sauce, kind of like on Step Brothers, to dip them in. Pardo was dubbed the Death Row Romeo after he corresponded with dozens of women and persuaded many to send him money. I'll never understand that. When the time came, a white sheet was pulled up to his chin and IV lines ran into his left arm. He blinked several times, his eyes moved back and forth, and he took several deep breaths. Over the next several minutes, the color drained from his face before he was pronounced dead. Manuel Pardo Jr. spent a total of 26 years on death row before his execution. I have a picture of him before he was executed, and he looks unrecognizable. He looks like a frightening shell of a man and has those dead eyes that we're always talking about there. Frank Judd, the nephew of victim Farah Quintero, read a statement following the execution, which was witnessed by fewer than 10 family members of the victims. Judd thanked the state of Florida for bringing closure to his family and said the pain he and his relatives feel about the murder of Quintero continues to this day. Quote, personally, I don't feel that what happened today was enough justice, he said, adding that Pardo was a disturbed soul. In the 2015 shooter video game Hotline Miami 2, wrong number, one of the playable characters is an unhinged Miami Police Department homicide detective named Manny Pardo, loosely based on his real-life namesake, who uses his authority to go on killing sprees. Manny is shown to be seeking recognition for his crimes, wanting to be more infamous than other violent criminals making the news headlines in Miami. Detective Pardo is gradually revealed to be a serial killer dubbed by the press as the Miami Mutilator, who investigates his own murders. When Pardo's crimes do not initially receive much media attention, he escalates the brutality of his killings to achieve that notoriety. Manny also kills other criminals who he fears will get more press coverage than him. There has also been speculation that Dexter Morgan, a fictional serial killer and vigilante who works as a forensics technician, at the Miami-Dade Police Department, was inspired in part by Pardo due to their resemblance and their involvement in law enforcement to some degree before their murder sprees and their vigilantism. And that's the story of Manuel Pardo Jr. He truly is garbage and deserves a place in the douchebox. Now on to other matters with... This week in the news. 
So this week's news article also comes from APNews.com and is by Ben Finley. This one I actually saw on Facebook first and read a little blip on Facebook. And then I came across the actual article, and I think it's fascinating. Charlotte, a stingray with no male companion, is pregnant in her mountain aquarium. And this is from February 13th, 2024. Charlotte, a rust-colored stingray the size of a serving platter, has spent much of her life gliding around the confines of a storefront aquarium in North Carolina's Appalachian Mountains. She's 2,300 miles from her natural habitat under the waves off Southern California. And she hasn't shared a tank of water with a male of her species in the last eight years. And yet nature has found a way. The aquarium's owner said, The stingray is pregnant with as many as four pups and could give birth in the next two weeks. Here's our girl saying, Hey, happy Valentine's Day. Let's have some pups, said Brenda Rammer executive director of the Aquarium and Shark Lab on Main Street in downtown Hendersonville. An expert on the stingrays said it would have been impossible for Charlotte to have mated with one of the five small sharks that share her tank, despite news reports suggesting that that was the case after Rammer joked about a possible interspecies hookup. The small aquarium is run by Rammer's educational nonprofit, Team Echo, which encourages local school children and others to take an interest in science. Its biggest lesson now is on the process of parthenogenesis. Nailed it. A type of asexual reproduction in which offspring develop from unfertilized eggs, meaning there is no genetic contribution by a male. The mostly rare phenomenon can occur in some insects, fish, amphibians, birds, and reptiles, but not mammals. Documented examples have included California condors, Komodo dragons, and yellow-bellied water snakes. Another reason to fear a snake. Katie Lyons, a research scientist at the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta who is not involved with the North Carolina Aquarium, said Charlotte's pregnancy is the only documented example she's aware of for the species of round stingrays. But Lyons isn't at all shocked. Other kinds of sharks, skates, and rays, a trio of animals often grouped together, have had these kind of pregnancies in human care. I'm not surprised because nature finds a way of having this happen, she said. This is so bizarre to me. To be clear, Lyon said these animals are not cloning themselves. Instead, a female's egg fuses with another cell, triggers cell division, and leads to the creation of an embryo. The cell that fuses with the egg is known as a polar body. They are produced when a female is creating an egg, but usually aren't used. We don't know why it happens, Lyons says, just that it's kind of this really neat phenomenon that they seem to be able to do. Raymer said she and others at the nonprofit at first thought Charlotte had a tumor when they noticed a lump on her back that was blowing up like a biscuit. (laughs) But an ultrasound revealed her pregnancy. Oh, my God. We were all like, shut the back door. There's no way, Raymer said. We thought we were overfeeding her, but we were overfeeding her because she has more mouths to feed. Charlotte currently lives in a tank that's about 2,200 gallons or nearly the size of a construction dumpster. Raymer said they're hoping to get a tank nearly twice that size to accommodate Charlotte's offspring. They also want to put live cameras up for people to see them. That would be pretty cool. I watched this... uh I'm sure a lot of y'all did this live feed of an eagle's nest. 
So you got to watch like the eggs hatch and then the eagle taking care of the babies and then the babies eventually leaving the nest. It was really cool. It is very rare to happen, Raymer said, but it's happening in the middle of the Blue Ridge Mountains in rural North Carolina, hundreds of miles from the ocean. As for the suggestion that Charlotte could have been impregnated by a shark, Lyons said that's impossible because being different sizes, the animals wouldn't match up anatomically and neither would their DNA. We should set the record straight that there aren't some shark ray shenanigans happening here, said Lyons, whose graduate work focused on the species. Round stingrays like Charlotte are abundant on the Pacific coasts of Southern California and Mexico, often resting on the ocean's sandy bottom near the shoreline. In the wild, they are typically the size of a small dinner plate, and their name comes from their circular shape. They come in all shades of brown, they eat small worms, crabs, and mollusks, and they are preyed upon by certain types of sharks, seals, and giant sea bass. They are well known to humans because of their painful sting, often resulting from a beachgoer's foot stepping on them. Southern California lifeguards encourage people to do the so-called stingray shuffle as they wade through the water, in large part because of the round stingrays. Lyons finds the species fascinating. For example, embryos in the womb are bathed in uterine milk that provides nutrients to help them develop. I'm glad the round stingray is getting the media attention that it deserves, Lyons said. It's not necessarily as sexy as a white shark, but they do a lot of really neat stuff. <laughs> Didn't know white sharks were sexy, but okay. Thanks, Ms. Lyons. And uh, that is our This Week in the News article. I hope y'all enjoyed that. Y'all let me know on social media if y'all like the direction these little palate cleansers are going or if you have any suggestions of a story that you've come across that you think is interesting or funny. If you have any episode topic suggestions or hump day treat suggestions, don't be afraid to send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or you can email at odditiesandcuriositiespod at gmail.com. Enjoy the rest of your week. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with me. All sources for this episode will be listed in the show notes. Don't forget to visit Facebook and Instagram for episode picks and announcements. Please rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Facebook. I want to give a huge shout out to Stephen Gowetsky for editing, Craig Weaver for music, and Vector Factory for art. Talk at you next week.